All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice, it arms leaves the proof to the line. Hughes, Jones! Yes, existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. Here, like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented 
by the amazing folks at Zephyr Epic. Be sure to use our promo code Hockey Season, all one word, Hockey Season, capital H, capital S. That'll get you $5 off your order and free shipping all through Canada, all through Canada, from Cranbrook to Windsor. All across Canada. Quads, what's uh, what's a random city we can mention that can get delivered to in Canada? Give me a random one. Salmon Arm. Okay. That's pretty random. We have listeners. We have listeners in Salmon Arm. You, Did you know that? You know what's crazy? So, like, we've been uh, we've been talking to some companies and trying to bring on some new sponsors, talk to some people. We've turned down some companies that we're not really interested in. But there's some that we're excited about, and we're having some conversations later this week. And one of the things in our in our ad package is sending out where our top cities are. And I find it so interesting that... So North Van is number one. I think that's where like 13% of our listeners come from. So thank you to everyone in North Van for listening to the show. Burnaby does well. I, I appreciate that, Quads. You got, you got all the Burnaby folks listening. But number two on the list for cities in the world is Calgary. So shout out to Calgary. Everyone listening to Calgary. I've talked to a lot of people in DMs and such from Calgary. Uh, and I just, I find it interesting that so many people in Calgary are listening to the show. They're our second biggest city. And I think they, they come for 12% of our total listeners. Wow. That is crazy. Are the flames that bad? Like, wouldn't you think that, I guess, <laughs> you know what? I guess that, you know, some people maybe grew up Canucks fans and then cost of living, moved to Calgary, work, they moved to Calgary or whatever. You know, that makes sense. I, I, I'm on board with that. That makes sense. Thank you to everybody yeah, listening I mean, in Calgary. Send us your origin yes. story. I want to hear how you became a listener, or not a listener, but how you became a Canucks fan uh, in the first place if you're living in Calgary. I want to hear. I want to hear those stories. That would be cool. I've had, well, I've had people on, like, before you came on the show and I just had guests on the show. It was, you know, there's multiple people from Calgary that kind of just shocked me and kind of heard their stories of it. So those are some older episodes for sure. But, you know, I've, I've spent my time. I've worked in Grand Prairie for a year. I know what uh, how much downtime you have and how much time you have to invest in podcasts. So, you know, I think Calgary is a little bit better than Grand Prairie. I'm sure the folks that live there can speak to that. But, uh, you know, that's that's a spot where we might end up being able to make a visit here soon with uh, with Nation Network having their, their main offices in Edmonton. You know, an Alberta trip, uh, you know, Faber and Quads do Alberta. That's a series right there. That's going on the Patreon for sure, which we're going to start doing a lot more. Patreon.com slash Canucks combo. You go join the five or $10 tier. We're going to be, we're going to be heavy on the bonus content. We're going to be doing a lot of different stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun, but yeah, maybe a, maybe a little vlog trip to Edmonton will be what we have to do because it's going to be Edmonton that we go to. Like that's where nation network offices are. So if we go, it's going to be Edmonton. So that's, that's what we're looking at there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's one thing to be excited about for sure. But here in BC, we got to touch on this. Sorry to the 12% of people that are listening from Calgary. Uh, but big news today coming out, obviously, from Bonnie Henry, from Premier Horgan. Just a lot of good news about the COVID situation, man. I know, you know, some of the group chats we're in, just us texting each other, you know, me texting the girlfriend. Like, there's a lot of excitement here for the reopening phase that we're moving into. I guess phase one started today, phase two coming yep. in June. Uh, middle of June and and man, a lot of very exciting things. Like uh, I don't know where you want to start, but it was just it was just really fun to hear a reopening plan that was, I mean, quicker than I kind of thought. You know, like people already able to to come into your house at this point. Gatherings of ten people back as soon as now. So just a lot of exciting news, man. Yeah, the the line keeps going down. All the lines that we want to see going down continue to go down, which is really nice. And yeah, it's nice. You get to have some people back in your house. You get to go into restaurants again. It's nice. And, you know, 
I get my vaccine on Sunday, so maybe we'll have to hold off on going to Pasta Amore for a little bit longer. But you know, when we uh, when I get vaxxed, we'll we'll definitely go. We'll, we'll go. We'll have a lot of fun. It's gonna be gonna be a nice summer, man. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the fall, but you know, it, it's looking good, right? And if everything goes according to plan. We should be good. We're we're coming. We're heading into the home stretch now, which is very nice because I always think back to the night when we first recorded, and you were super sick. That's the that's the crazy part. And I think if you've listened to the show for a while, you've either heard this story or you know that I'm a huge. I was a huge germaphobe before COVID. Okay, so Chris comes into the studio super sick at BCIT in what like March, maybe like early early March, and thankfully you didn't have COVID. It might have been February. It might have been very early in March. Yes. But I, I feel like it might have been February. Thankfully, you didn't have COVID. But you come into the studio, you're sick, and I'm like, you know, just stay away from me, whatever. But I wasn't really worried about COVID at the time. No, Nobody really was at that point. And then we were recording the show, and we're like, oh, so this is what we'll talk about on the show today. Columbus is having no fans in. Like, maybe the Canucks will have to do that, too. And I had just been to a Canucks game the week before, as had you, for your Botford Project night. And it was just... While we were recording, it's like the NBA has canceled their season because Rudy Gobert has tested positive. And it was like, what? Like, is this going to happen to the NHL? And at first, I was thinking, no, there's no way they cancel the season. It's not going to happen. There's no way. And then little did we know the world was going to turn upside down. So it's very nice to think back to that day and see that we're coming out of it. And we're, we're, we did okay. We did okay during that time making podcasts and, you know, content creation in general we did okay from that time to now so i'm I'm proud of the work we've done yeah it's been uh it's been a good run so far and man just exciting things on the horizon here i know that one of the things that we want to set up is uh one of our sponsors obviously parallel 49 beer be sure to try out the peach bod wait okay i need to address this right off the bat did i not give a review the peach bod in an episode i think we just ran it you did but on the uh on the advertisement that we run in the mid show. You need a new advertisement because it says in that advertisement. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go try a peach bod, but you've already tried it <laughs> and done a review of it on the show. Okay, well I've got to I got to update the ad then for that because yeah, the peach bod was and we saw saw some tweets coming in, people trying them out, drinking them on the river. I miss that. I miss that about the island. I'm not going to go in about how much I miss the island, but uh, you know, just exciting things in the future that we'll be able to travel, but yeah, Parallel 49, they've wanted to do something with us for a long time obviously the pandemic has not allowed it but you know a live meetup sometime in hopefully the end of june if everything works out right june or july get some canucks fans together down at parallel 49 in uh, the east van location and uh get some people together because man it's been so long since we able to interact with canucks fans in person so that that should be a lot of fun and drink some parallel beers quads might even have a beer or two Mm, we'll see we'll see maybe not not a huge beer drinker like at all as in i don't like beer but if i do drink beer it's parallel 49 that's that's the right thing to say uh but yeah i mean we're, we're just excited for things to start opening up here um you know it's gonna be an interesting episode this week because we touched on a lot of things this past week from the jim benning press conference travis green press conference and i think that i feel like the overall feeling from that press conference like for Jim Benning and the situation that they're in now with Jim Benning back and Travis Green back, I feel like things were pretty positive. Now that we've had a couple of days to sit on it, where do you kind of stand on the having some positive thoughts about this Vancouver Canucks team going into the offseason? Like I said on the last episode, man, in terms of Jim Benning press conferences, that has to rank near the top 
for ones that make fans actually feel optimistic or more confident in the direction of the team. Like if I'm a Canucks fan right now, I'm looking at that and seeing that ownership is on board with giving them the tools. This is what Benning said, giving them all the resources they need to make the hockey club better. Now they didn't have that last off season and that hurt them. Like not having a buyout last year, not having the green light from ownership allegedly last year with a buyout, that was what cost them to Foley. Like at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of factors. Sure. Uh, chasing all over Ekman Larson definitely played into the, into everything that happened, you know, losing Stetcher, all that sort of stuff, losing to Foley. But at the end of the day, not being able to make any buyouts hurt them the most because they would have been able to sign to Foley if they were able to do some buyouts, but they weren't. So now they have that option. I know it's a year too late, but they are looking to actually compete next year. And, you know, we talked about it. We faced some criticism for saying it, but it really did feel like last year from the top down, there was just a, from the organization, from the top down, just an idea to punt on last season. And it kind of feels like that's what happened. And I think if you're heading into this year, you have to think not only can it not be any worse than that where everything went wrong for the team, but this, even even if you're on the side that doesn't like Jim Benning and doesn't keep it to a thank you, Jim, if you're on that side, I, I get you want him gone. That's not going to happen. But if they don't make the playoffs this year when he has full resources, yeah, it might happen then. So I, I just think like this is kind of a now or never year and, and I get the side that the, the thinking as well that, okay, well, now he's just trying to make the playoffs to save his job, but that's just kind of how the Canucks are run. Like It feels like right now that's just the goal. They they want to make the playoffs, and like Benning said, see what happens. And there's a, there's a whole array of problems in that statement itself, but I don't know. I, I think in terms of the hopes of seeing playoff hockey again and, you know, taking a step toward being a cup contender, I think that press conference gives you some more confidence if you're a Canucks fan. Yeah, and I think now we're we're at the point now that we've heard, I wouldn't call it a plan because I don't think that it's a plan, but I think that we've heard the direction that they want to go in, right? I think that's what we heard from them in the final talk, and I think that now it's up to seeing what the moves are going to be. Now we're going to have to see what Jim's actually going to do about being aggressive, trying to you know, make a difference with this team and make the bottom six look a lot different because that just seems to be the thing that's held them back for all this time, right? Is the bottom six is is the problem, right? I mean, like, that's what's been a big problem for this Vancouver Canucks team. Obviously, if you're able to stay healthy with the Canucks top six and the players that they have, it's, it's a solid top six. It's a good top six in the NHL. I mean, there are definitely some upgrades that need to happen throughout the lineup. I just, I'm still worried that I just, I don't know... I don't know if there's enough that can be done this year to get them to the point of even talking about playoffs next year. Like, I I think that you're taking a huge step with Thatcher Demko, obviously, as a goaltender now. You know what you're going to see with Demko next season. He's going to be the number one. He's going to be getting a ton of games moving forward, and I'm excited for that because he he showed very well this year ever since the bubble, right? I mean, he's looked like a a top-tier goaltender in the NHL, so that's a big step. But to me, I feel like with the limited cap space that they have, like, I don't know. It's hard to even talk about it because, like, maybe we'll go in on this a little bit. With the Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes contracts coming up very soon, and we saw PD down in L.A., um, you know, the spot where his agent is, like, where their big agency in L.A. is. I'm sure that there's some conversations going on between him and his agent. I I wonder how long we have to wait until we see that deal get done. Like, do you think that there's any worry 
because it just feels like the way that Jim Benning works, it's one thing one day and then try and get that done. If it's not done, you know, move on to the next thing the next day. But to me, this has to be the next thing that's on their plate right now. Like this has to be get this deal done, get it tidied up and then move forward from there. This has to be the first thing that they address. Yeah, there, there's a lot to address this offseason. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you that that's the first thing that needs to get done. But, man, I, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to look toward the expansion draft. I'm looking toward, and, you know, Stefan Roguet at Canucks Army has written a really good series about teams that are going to be in a similar position to kind of what the Anaheim Ducks were in in the Vegas expansion draft and the situation Florida was in, in the Vegas expansion draft where they don't have enough protection spots for maybe the guys that they want to protect. And the Canucks could be able to kind of exploit that because they're able to like the Canucks have one defenseman worth protecting. And I'm sorry to the Tyler Meyer stands out there. I'm right there with you. You've heard the takes before, but Nate Schmidt's really the only defenseman on this team that you that you need to protect, right? Like Quinn Hughes doesn't require protection. Am I right about that? Yep. Okay. So Quinn Hughes doesn't require protection. Jack Rathbone doesn't either. Tyler Myers does, but if Seattle takes Tyler Myers off your hand, are you really that upset about it? You know what I mean? Especially when you look toward the later half of that contract, there's still three years on Myers contract, right? That's not cheap. So, for Seattle to take that, potentially, you're, you're really looking at one defenseman that you'd want to protect, right? So when you, you know, and obviously they're going to protect Myers because they have three spots to do it. But if you're looking at it, at it from a trading perspective, if you go out and acquire a defenseman that's worth protecting, chances are Seattle's not taking Myers anyway. So, you know, Stefan wrote the article and he, he wrote about uh, seven targets on one day and then eight targets another day for right-handed defensemen that could be worth targeting um, for the, for the, for, you know, for, for next season and for the right side of the blue line, right? And, you know, he looked at the 11, 11 third line centers as well. And it's just, these are the holes that I see with this club. And I just think the expansion draft kind of offers a unique opportunity to you know make your team better but it it just you're dealing from a position of strength and it just feels like the Canucks haven't done that much in any of the trades they've made in recent years now obviously the Nate Schmidt trade is the exception there that's the outlier that's an example of them dealing from a position of strength right and you like to see a trade like that so you know with expansion quickly looming i'm i'm already starting to look at who they could pick up and kind of how they could make their team better that way yeah i think that defenseman is a huge thing they can add obviously there's there's going to be a lot of teams that need to protect a lot of defensemen and you know you know stefan did a did a great job uh looking through those and, and writing those articles as well i mean like that's that's got to be another priority for them but to me it's it's still sitting back and looking at at Hughes and Pedersen and saying like, let's, let's get this done as soon as possible. Right. Like let's keep these stars happy before they head home. And I mean, they're, they're kind of already on their way home. I don't know if Petey's left uh, to Sweden yet, but I feel like what, let them have an off season where they're feeling comfortable, like with that deal, these are your stars and you want to keep these guys happy. I'm just, I'm wondering what that money even comes in at for these two players and like what kind of deals we're going to see. We don't have to really discuss it because yeah, like you bring up a good point with, I mean, with the expansion draft, the Canucks are in one of those positions of power where they got a guy like Nate Schmidt. And, you know, Nate Schmidt hasn't necessarily worked out that great for the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, 
you know, stat-wise, five goals, 10 assists in 54 games. Not horrible for a second-pairing defenseman. But, like, if you can add another guy who can bring that type of play to your team for very cheap because their other team's going to lose him for nothing, like, I, I think the Canucks need to be a little bit aggressive, like Jim Benning has kind of talked about. When I asked him the question about trading draft picks, if you can get a really good defenseman, it's not the worst thing to trade a second or a third-round pick. If you're getting a solid defenseman who's ready to play in the NHL right now, and is, you know, hopefully decently young, maybe in the, the 24 to 29 range. Like, if you're trading a second or a third round pick for a right shot defenseman who's going to be on your team for a while now, potentially maybe the guy who plays with Quinn Hughes moving forward, like, there's there are some options for the Canucks to make those moves, and I'm I'm just hoping that they go that direction. Because I feel like looking back at the last expansion draft, like, the Canucks could have had some spots to fill that were young, promising players, but they didn't go that direction. That was the same management group that was there. And I just, I hope that it's changed this year, and I hope that that's something that's explored a little bit more. And I need to see it, though. Like, you need to see it. You need to see them go out and do these things instead of talk about them. So that's the thing that kind of worries me is, like, we just haven't seen any of it in the past. Why would it start now? You know, like, maybe Jim Benning's learned a little bit over his tenure. I hope that he has. But... You just need to see them go that direction. I haven't really seen them do that. Aside from like the Nate Schmidt deal, I can't really think of many times where they, like like you said, made a trade from a position of power. Okay, but here's the thing. And when we're talking about the pro scouting department now, and we're moving more toward, you know, the kind of players that they're acquiring. Because he said they're going to be aggressive in free agency and trades. They're going to explore all avenues. And I actually, you know what? I liked his answer to your question where he said that, he wasn't going to he wasn't going to you know get anything off the table right like he's not going to say they're going to come out and say no we're not trading draft picks because if, if the right deal's there they've got to do it right yep. and you know I, I i liked that answer but in terms of the players they're targeting it was weird cuz he said on 650 that afternoon after the press conference he said he's like well before we were looking for grit uh what else he say veteran leadership that sort of thing he gave he gave all of those those clichés right and now he said now we're looking at skilled guys who can possess the puck it was like what were you looking for before man like you know what i mean it was just you know i think you can kind of see that before they really weren't looking to target you know players in the in the in the community, we call players that are skilled and possess the puck good players. So it looks like they just weren't trying to target good players before. But now that they're, I guess, actually targeting good players, which, you know, you can have the conversation about why weren't they doing that before and why haven't they been doing that at all for the past seven years. But now that they're targeting good players, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see the kind of players they target because when they started targeting good players... They went after Tyler Toffoli. They went after JT Miller. You know, like, they're doing this. There's a bit of a track record here of them actually targeting good players. Now, I get that the track record overall is stained by the Roussels and the Beagles and the Sutters and the list goes on, but I I don't know. I just, I think that this offseason is a perfect time to judge the work that Jim Benning's going to do as a general manager going forward. Honestly, like I know this is looking really far ahead, Chris, but I think this off season and this se- this season going forward overall will ultimately dictate if Jim Benning gets another job as a general manager in, in, in the NHL. Cause right now I don't think he does. If he, if he were fired right now, which he's not, he's coming back next year. I don't think he gets another job in the NHL for a long time, but you never know. But I think if this season, 
if they can somehow make the playoffs or they can, you know, they can construct a good team, construct a good core around Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, I think there's a real chance that he would get hired again if he were to be let go by the Canucks down the road. Now, I also think that if they make the playoffs and don't just get swept in the first round or whatever, and they actually go on some sort of run and there's signs of a plan and, you know, an actual team that can compete for the cup, then I think Benning's coming back. And, you know, we, we joked about a couple of weeks ago, the 11 year plan, 11 years of Jim Benning, but I I think it's a reality. I I do. And if, if that alarms you, sure. But for me personally, I'm looking at this off season, cautiously optimistic, but I'm also still a little bit optimistic when it comes to, you know, the kind of players they're targeting now. And it'll be interesting to see how much the pro scouting department helps out there. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They, they've been better at, at targeting players. I just hope that, you know, now, like, you go out and you get, you know, Tanner Pearson was a good pickup. He seemed to fit. Uh, don't know about the the contract extension for the money. That's not a great fit for me. But, you know, that trade was obviously something that's helped them and worked out a lot better for them. Tyler Serfoli's been another good example of that. Heck, I mean, you know, I thought Matthew Highmore was fine at the end of the year. I don't need to see him in a top six role, but he's the type of player I wouldn't hate to see on a fourth line or in a 13th, but like forward role battling for a spot with, you know, potentially Jace Howerluck if he's back for another year or some other guys that are going to be there. But like still next year is going to be tough for me because, you know, you look at some of these guys that are still on the books and we heard about buyouts and maybe we can discuss that a little bit here. But Antoine Roussel is going to make $3 million next year. Where is he going to fit in this lineup? Like, is he going to even be one of the 12 forwards on the opening night roster? Like, I'm not 100% sold on that yet. Uh, Louis Erickson's obviously his money's going to be there. His buyout is kind of just pointless to go that direction. Uh, It just, there's some, there's still a lot of players. I mean, potentially Jay Beagle with him returning. Like, these guys, you know, Jay Beagle's going to be 35 next year, man. And he's making $3 million on this Canucks team. I, I struggle to see them getting into the playoffs next year as this being the first year where the cap is actually going to be the thing that hurts them now. Like, it's going to be the here and now thing that hurts them because they're going to have to pay Petey and Quinn. Like, they're going to have to pay those guys now that you're still paying a Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel. Like, do you think that any buyouts for those specific players is going to be something we see in the future? Because I... You know, I'd love to see Antoine Roussel have a bounce back season. I think he does still bring something to a game, but last year he just didn't have it. Simply didn't have it. Didn't have that that get up that got him to the NHL or that speed that made him an annoying player to play against. He just didn't have it last year. And you know, coming off of an injury to finish the season, I wonder what he looks like even at camp next year. That's a guy who's making three million dollars. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one to watch, and I, I've been thinking a lot already. Like, you know, I know the season just ended, and we should probably reset a little bit, take a week or something, but I'm just thinking about all the storylines heading into camp next year. And I know there's so many to come, but one I'm thinking of is just, what's Antoine Roussel's future here? And it's simply, you know, like you just said, it's like, I want to see him bounce back, but is he going to be able to do it? I don't know, Chris. I really don't know if... You know, if there's going to be that, I guess, that hunger to really, you know, go back to where he was or if this is just kind of what fans should expect at this point and just, you know, like... I, I just, I don't know if Roussel's ever going to get back to what he was in his first year here. And even his first year was just, you know, it was okay for a guy being paid $3 million, I guess. But, you know, it, it was what you wanted to see. He hopped up into the top six once in a while, which was great. But... It's just the Canucks can't sign any more contracts like that. I think I just, this offseason yeah, when they're I, aggressive, they I can't. S- I see the Roussel deal, and I see that one being the one because I'll read you. You know, I'll read you the savings. So if you 
Like, if you were to bury him in the AHL, you're saving a million off that, you're still getting a $2 million cap hit. If you were to buy him out right now, the cap hit next year would be $1.73 million, and then the year after that, it would be 633000 So this year, you'd be saving $1.2 million, uh, which is, you know, if he's buried in the minors, you're saving a million there anyways, and then next year, you would have a savings of minus 633000 So, like, even these guys in that situation, it's almost like, you know, burying Roussel in the AHL is kind of, like, almost the better option. Like, a lot of these buyouts that we heard about and Jim Benning wants to explore them, there's just not a lot of buyouts to me that make sense. Like, I, I've tried to look through a lot of them, and some of them just don't seem to make sense. It's almost like, you know, I think a lot of people have said you just eat it for one more year, right? Like, with a lot of these contracts that are going to come up, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have the, the Jay Beagle contract come up. You're going to have the Antoine Roussel contract come up. You're going to have the Louis Erickson contract come up. Like, buying out to me, it just feels like there has to be one more year of eating it. That's why... Getting aggressive was something that I didn't really fall in love with, with Jim Benning saying, because getting aggressive next year doesn't feel like, like getting aggressive this offseason doesn't feel like the right offseason. Like letting your young players develop another year, just see what happens with them. You know, like just see what happens with the team. I don't think you need to be aggressive now and hurt anything in the future, but like after next season, that's, that's the aggressive offseason. That's when some money's going to come into play. Like, you're going to have to pay Brock Besser, which is going to be quite the hit. But to think about it, like, he's making just shy of $6 million right now. If he comes in at 7.5, somewhere around there, it's not the biggest jump because you have a lot of money coming off. But this isn't, this like, just looking back at it and hearing the quotes, this isn't the year for me for them to get, like, to get aggressive. I don't think this is the offseason to be aggressive, really. Well, it depends what they mean by aggressive, right? Because you can be aggressive with an eye on the future, and that's what I think yeah, they absolutely I don't know, should do. Can Jim Benning do that? Because I don't think I've seen him be aggressive with, with looking to the future. Look at the Tyler Myers deal. Look at how long Nate Schmidt's contract sure. is, right? Like, I don't think Jim Benning can be aggressive while looking in the future. But when I say, when I say you know, be aggressive with an eye on the future, I mean don't give up too many future assets. Sure. And I'm sorry, but the Myers and Schmidt deals, I... You know, the Myers contract, say what you will about it, but, you know, in terms of the Schmidt trade, that's that's keeping an eye on the future. You only give up a third-round pick to do it, right? And that improved your team now, and they still wanted to compete. But again, quads, and another asset has to be cap space. For a team that is in a rebuild, that's a huge asset. Even if it's not a trade, like a pick that you're giving away, like your cap space needs to be an asset. Look at what Ottawa's going to be able to do here moving forward. Like, they have so many young right. guys coming up. They don't have a lot of big contracts that's going to hurt them for a while a huge asset for the Ottawa Senators and the LA Kings moving forward, even though they have a couple of bad contracts, but like the cap space is a massive asset. It might be one of the biggest assets when you're doing a rebuild. You're right. But there's also no going back, right? Like this is, this is what happened. The Canucks traded for JT Miller, gave up a first round pick. They were aggressive. They were all in. They went after Tyler Toffoli. We know how that all played out. You can't look back in that, at that and say it was a good situation at all. And that's not what I'm trying to do. But I am trying to say that now you have Elias Pettersson, who just missed the playoffs. You have Bo Horvat, who's played over 500 games now in the NHL. Like, Bo Horvat's not getting any younger. He's the captain of this core. You want to get him back in the playoffs. You saw the passion in Horvat's voice when we talked to him at the end of the year. He wants to get back in the playoffs, Chris. And you can't come back next year with a mediocre team. Like, you need to be, you need to be committed to these players. You need to be committed to this core. And you need to be committed at winning. Like, it can't be another year where you just you just come into training camp and be like, well, we'll hope that the top two lines can carry us 
us to the playoffs, and then we'll just let the Sea of Grandlands drain itself out throughout the season. That can't be the plan. Like, there needs to be a, a concrete plan to make this team better and make them compete. Because I'm sorry, you're going to start to lose a lot of the, these core players. Like, JT Miller hasn't requested a trade. He wants to come back. I'm not so sure if he feels the same way if they miss the playoffs again next year. I think there's an understanding from the top down in that organization, goes to the players as well, that last year is just a write-off. Everything that happened, everything that could have gone wrong, went wrong. It's hard to judge the team based on that. That's a write-off. That's what I think the organization thinks. That's what I think the players think. I think that's why a guy like GT Miller hasn't requested a trade and has no plans to do so. But if they miss the playoffs again next year, Look, JT Miller's getting older. He's a he's a competitor. He wants to win. And if you're just coming back with the same team or you're coming back with a team that's marginally improved and not quali- not qualified to make the playoffs at all, like just, you know, this year's team, it would have been a miracle if they made the playoffs. You need to come back next year with a team that looking at it, if they don't make the playoffs, the team didn't didn't live up to their expectations. That's what you need to come back with next year. And you also need to keep an eye on the future when you do that. I know it's a fine line, but they just they can't come back. They can't go into this offseason and not be aggressive, I think. I think that's where we're looking at it different. I think what you're saying is what like what you're saying is what Jim Benning said. Like to me, it's like they want to get into the playoffs and go from there. To me, it's more about really trying to capitalize on the Stanley Cup window. Like that's what I want to see more of in the 22 seasons moving on you know like that's that's what I want to see and I know that you're going to probably end up wasting you know this team's probably not going to be competing for a Stanley Cup next year or the year after that you're going to have to pay Niels Huglander a decent contract in the year after that you're going to have to have a new contract for Horvat. you're gonna to have to do a new contract for Miller I mean Besser's gonna have his new deal by then but like to me I, I just don't see this team being able to do that next year with all the money that they have hurting them unless you know there is a right buyout for this team like unless there's some buyouts to save some money if they're able to shed either Myers or Holtby's cap in in the expansion draft, like then I'm fine trading an asset to go with it if Seattle's willing to take a guy like Holtby or a guy like Myers because those are kind of the two options where I can see you freeing up a decent amount of cap space because like think about it man if you're if you're able to add another a 6 million dollar player or two $3 million players that are actually worth $3 million. That's a huge change to the roster. So like, I, I get what you're saying. I, I see it being possible, but I don't see it being probable. Really? Like, I just don't see this management group being able to, to do the moves that we, that like, we've really hoped that they're able to do, like be able to shed the right cap, get the right players. And it's tough. Like I wouldn't be able to do it. If I was the GM, I wouldn't be able to get the right players in there, but I'm also not paid to do that, and I don't have a full staff around me and support from ownership and very smart people in the organization working on pro scouting. I I don't have that. Like I feel like they should be able to do a better job than me, and they should. I just don't know if they're able to to get this team to a spot next year where we're looking at the roster and saying, yeah, this is this is a playoff roster. You know, things are going to happen. Injuries are going to come. Some players aren't going to live up to expectations. Some players are going to be above expectations. I just don't see it looking as a whole as this team being like pushing into the playoffs hard next year to get these guys experience more than, you know, getting into one series as, you know, the seven or eight seed right now. I think there needs to be a lot of changes for me to to change my mind and be pretty positive about next year. That's fair, but I, I what I'm saying is that's the standard that this organization and this management group needs to be held to this offseason. Yep, totally. I'm sorry, if you have all the resources to make the team better, then make the team better. 
that's the standard here, Chris. Like, they cannot go into it and say, yeah, we were given all the resources to make the team better. And then they go out and sign Jay Beagle 2.0. You know what I mean? Like, that that can't be what happens this offseason. I think, you know, I sound really positive on this episode, but I think it's mostly just because I'm, I'm holding them to a higher standard than I think I have in the past. And I think fans should be at this point. Listen, they have all the resources they need to make this team better. Now they have to actually make the team better, right? Like that's the only thing that's going to restore consumer confidence, Chris, which is at a pretty low point right now, is if they make this team better and if this team makes the playoffs next year. Like, do you remember the bubble, Chris? Like, do you remember how this city reacted in a pandemic? Scott Road was packed every night. The episodes we were doing, I was I was at my vacation home. I don't have a vacation home. I was just on a vacation. Um, yeah, you're, I, you know, in, I, I was, you're in like an old cabin that was built in the 40s, like that's falling apart. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, it was a great cabin. I love that place. And but the view. I was recording I mean, that, a podcast yeah, from there. The view yeah, that you had The view was is beautiful. amazing. Yes. Oh, yeah, it was. We'll save it for the Patreon. We'll save it for Patreon. Okay. But the point is... You know, the passion that we had as content creators, right? The passion that the fans had. This city got the Canuck fever. Maybe don't make jokes about fever uh, when COVID's happening. But, um, you know, you know, like the Canucks took over this city again in the summer, right? I want that. I want that for this city, Chris. I want the buses to say, go Canucks, go at the front. You know what the buses say right now? It's just masks mandatory and it says whatever route they're on. That's what the buses say right now. They don't say go Canucks go. I want the buses to say go Canucks go once again. That's the standard that we need to be holding this management group to. This management group needs to be striving to make the buses say go Canucks go once again. Yeah. I I hope to see that day very soon. I, I hope to see it next year. I really do. I hope that they are able to be aggressive with a, with a view of the future still in the back of their minds as they're making those aggressive moves. I just, I need to see it, right? I think I said that last week on the show. There's a lot of things that I can hope for, but I really need to see it to get my confidence back up about this team because my confidence is pretty low. My confidence right now in this team is very low. It's very low in the management group. It's very low with the the roster that I project to see on the ice next year right now from knowing this management group. It's low. Like, it's, it's a low bar for me, and it's not even that hard to make the... to make, like, make it over that bar. Like, this team making the playoffs next year would exceed my expectations if they're able to get a roster that gets into a point of actually looking competitive in a playoff series i'd be very excited and i'd be having a hell of a lot more fun doing these podcasts if we're talking about a team like that yeah absolutely cut to break yeah we'll cut to break here we'll throw some ads uh i guess i guess i gotta record a new parallel ad I'll, i'll do that quickly after we finish this recording so you'll hear a new parallel ad Coming up here on the other side, uh, I got a couple topics I want to dive into with you quads and then just a, a little, little tidbit about the NHL draft as well. A couple little things. And I got some news from Utica, spoke to some people, um, which is going to be Abbotsford. I'm going to, it's going to take me a while to, to figure that out, but we'll talk about that on the other side. So let's cut to a quick ad break and we'll see you guys in just under two minutes. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for Epic Case Break Openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z E. 
E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. All right, folks, here to talk about Parallel 4.9 Beer, and it is some exciting news with the most recent news from Premier Horgan and Dr. Bonnie Henry. Indoor dining is back, so folks, come one, come all, down to the East Van location at Parallel 4.9. Their beer garden is now open. Big setup, lots of tables, and even some outdoor dining. But at the same time, the indoor dining is open as well. If it's a little bit cloudy or maybe some rain's coming down, indoor dining is now back as well at Parallel 49. Be sure to head down to their location in East Van on Triumph Street. That's 1950 Triumph Street. Go down and try some of those beautiful beers and get out there and get the Peach Bot. I gave a review on the show. It is a crisp beer. Get after it. Peach-flavored beer. A little bit of carbonation. Nice little mix-up for you. They are now open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week out there on the beer gardens and also with their indoor dining. That's right, indoor dining. It's back, folks. And be sure to tag us and Parallel as well. If you're down there drinking a beer, we'll definitely uh, be stoked to see it. And I'm curious to see what beer you chose. So be sure to tag us, uh, tag them, and be go, go out there and try some Parallel 49 beer. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for supporting the show, and thank you to the listeners for supporting the show as well. Now that it's the off-season quads and we don't have any school, I have dove into some garbage television lately. Uh, the girlfriend's got me watching some some pretty bad television, lots of TLC lately. Have you ever seen an episode of 90 Day Fiance before? I have. I watched uh, I watched an episode of Big Ed and Rose. Well, like an episode. Yeah, okay, yeah. I watched one episode and a lot of YouTube clips of uh, Big Ed and Rose. That was the uh, that was the one I watched. Okay, well, I, I haven't seen that one. I've, I've, I think I've seen probably like similar things here. I've seen a lot of uh, clips from Big Ed, yeah. but the season that I'm watching right now, it's like it's really bad. Like I can't, who, like the, a lot of these people, I get it. They bring in like a lot of them get married to someone who's from another country. It's all about getting them a visa. That's the first few episodes, but then it's like them living together. And man, is it is it just like a bad television show? Like I I don't get how people get to that point in their life where they go on Ninety Day Fiance. Like it's <laughs> it's freaking. It got it got me thinking. Like, what are some some television shows that get rejected by TLC? Like, if they're taking a television show about, like, hey, these two people want to get married, let's give them 90 days to do it, go for it. Then, like, some other TV shows, like, I see a lot of commercials while I'm watching TLC, and some of them are, like, smothered as one. And it's, like, moms and daughters, or moms and sons who are, like, so attached, and the mom does everything for them. They show, like, a, a clip of, like, the mom waxing the daughter's... Uh, downstairs area, sensitive area, like waxing that live on like on the show. And I'm like, I was thinking like, if these are the shows that are making it to air, can you imagine some of the shows that are like being rejected in the boardroom at TLC? Like, I wish that would be such a fun conversation to have with like someone from TLC about like, hey, what shows almost made it to air that were just like so crazy? Like, there has to be some really weird ones that were rejected. Yeah, holy cow. I never, I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Like, Maybe the ones that get rejected just aren't crazy enough. Like, maybe they've never rejected one that's too crazy. There's that line of thinking as well. Although I doubt that. Yeah, I don't know about... Yeah, I don't know about that. I just... 
I, I was thinking back to like other shows and I feel like when I was younger and really watching a lot of these, you know, in the 2010s, early 2010s stuff, like there weren't the great, like there were some weird shows, man, there's some weird TV shows from back in the day, but I think like the age that we're in right now and seeing some of these ones that are on TLC, like, wow, they're, they're just so out there. They're so weird. But then again, like, you know, it gets people talking. We're talking about it right now on a Canucks podcast, I guess. Yeah, we are. And I'd like to stop actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's fair. Um, Okay, we we can move into a little bit of news around here because the Utica Comets, obviously we know they're moving to Abbotsford for next season. Very excited for that. To be able to have that communication is great. Um, I spoke with Trent Cole earlier in the week and he was excited to be here at training camp for the fall. And that kind of got me thinking, what about the rest of the coaching staff down there in Utica? Uh, One of the guys who's gotten a lot of praise from Mikey DiPietro, even his limited time with him, but he spent all year last year with him, was uh, goaltender coach Curtis Sanford, who... We don't know what's going to happen with Ian Clark uh, moving forward here. That's kind of the big news that we're hopefully going to be able to talk about on one of these shows here if he's able to come back. I just that That's a tough one to see happening. We touched on it a lot in the last episode, and maybe we'll touch on it when we get some more tidbits from somebody here in the future or if uh, you do some digging maybe quads. But, you know, I found it really interesting because, like, Curtis Sanford seems to do a great job in the AHL. I'd love to have him back here working with the AHL team. And then Gary Agnew was the assistant coach there. Ryan Johnson is obviously going to be back. We don't really know the status of Gary Agnew, the assistant coach, and we don't really know the status of Curtis Sanford, but I know you have a little bit of information there. Yeah, my understanding is Curtis Sanford's deal is up, but my other understanding is that the organization is going to get him re-signed, and it's not hard to re-sign a minor league goalie coach. Um, I also think that before they sign him to that contract, they want to see what happens with Ian. Uh, they're still waiting, and you know, Jim talked that he's going to speak to Ian, and you know, all signs kind of point toward, you know, like it's been suggested that Ian's internal deadline has passed, and that the only way he's staying now is if they offer him something that's in line with Thatcher Demko's five years, and you know, from an organizational perspective, that's just unprecedented, especially for a coach who's not a head coach to get that kind of term on a deal, so... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming Ian Clark is going to be gone. And then at that point, they have to look for a replacement. And as I said in the mailbag, uh, it is likely going to be Curtis Sanford. I think it should be Curtis Sanford because the thing that you don't want is you don't want a goalie coach to come in and change everything that has been working, right? Like if, if there's one thing that's been working for the Canucks, it's the goaltending. It's the goaltending from the top down, right? Like, you know, Holby aside, I suppose. But with Thatcher Demko and all the prospects that I've spoken to feeling like they have a clear set of goals clear on what they need to improve on and just love working with Ian and Curtis. I think if you're going to lose Ian, at least keep Curtis because at least Ian was working directly with Curtis and Curtis has been directly impacted by Ian. Like it's, it's a consolation prize for sure. I'm not saying Curtis is going to be Ian, but he's going to be as close as you can get to it. And I think when you're looking at the goaltending situation, you're going to have to get a guy who's likely never worked with Thatcher Demko before. At least Curtis and Demko kind of know each other and have had experience working with each other. At least that's what's going to come in and be the replacement. I I think that's really a no-brainer for the organization. But yeah, my understanding is uh, Curtis's deal is also going to expire at the end of this year. Waiting for concrete confirmation... But my understanding is that, yes, his deal does expire at the end of this season. And for Curtis Sanford, it's it's really interesting, right? I mean, like, he's he's been a part of the of the Utica Comets 
like coaching staff since sorry, just let me check this for sure. Since the seventeen eighteen season. So in that time he was able to work with Thatcher Demko for one full season when Thatcher Demko was, yeah. you know, still pretty young. He worked with him for a full season and a half before Demko got called up. So there is some, you know, there is some work that's been done between those players together. That's going to be, that's an interesting thing to look forward to because maybe you can get them back together working good. Obviously they've worked in the past and something that you've obviously talked about a lot is a lot of Curtis Sanford's teachings come from basically the teachings that he got from Ian Clark. So I wonder if they go that direction. I, I think that if you are to lose Ian Clark, you know, the first option internally obviously has to be Curtis Sanford and I think that might be the best option as well unless you can unless you're really going with a guy who's a proven goaltender coach and that would kind of just be kind of bass backwards because like you had Ian Clark here you know if you want to go with a proven goaltender coach just stick with Ian Clark so if it's not him I don't think they will either Curtis is cheap right like Curtis isn't going to be expensive for and them I think to sign. that we're going to see that and I wonder what kind of comes out of that like does Curtis Sanford have a guy that he wants to work with to now be the AHL guy because you know having one goaltender coach now with the AHL team here in Abbotsford it's going to make it a lot easier for him to go work with Mike DiPietro even if even if Sanford is now the NHL guy like I'm curious if they even fill that role from the AHL like you know having someone on the road would be something good maybe just you know like there's a lot of options for a guy to be the AHL goaltender coach but I wonder if they even go in that direction now that the AHL team's here and that kind of brings me to what I wanted to talk about a little bit more about the AHL team because now that it's here now that Robert Ash is not a part of this the Vancouver Canucks organization has a lot to do with this AHL team moving forward there's a lot of roles that need to be filled that you're basically just building up this AHL organization from the ground floor now like you're it's great to have it in your backyard it's a great move to get your players closer to everything here in Vancouver. But to have that organization run correctly, there's going to be a lot of hires. And I think there's a lot of smart hockey minds in Vancouver that want to be a part of that AHL team. There's obviously probably a lot of great options out of the WHL and the BCHL even that are some people that know how to work a hockey team and have a lot of success. Like, I, I want to explore a little bit into like some people from the Penticton Vs. Right? Like, that organization in the BCHL... What they've been able to do has been incredible for what feels like feels like basically like 10 to 15 years now. What they've been doing up in Penticton with the V's is incredible. The Penticton V's are right now coming off of a season where they had 18 wins and one loss in the BCHL bubble that they had. Like there's a lot of right things being done by that Penticton team and it wouldn't shock me to see them like I think it's a smart move to reach out to them and see what guys have been doing a great job with them and if they want to move up to the AHL. Yeah, I, I mean Penticton's also just has that reputation, right? Like they get all the best players like that. That's, you know, that's a huge reason for it, but you're right. Like, you know, you, you look at the guys that have gone through there, like Jason Arnett's kid played there last year. Scott Niedermeyer's kid played there last year. Troy Stetcher played there. Uh, there's one other guy whose kid played there that I can't remember. And this is all last Tyson, year. Tyson Jost. Uh, he played there, but I'm thinking, sorry. Yeah, kids, you're talking. There's one NHL, yeah, one NHL player's kid that played there last year. I can't remember who it was. But yeah, Jason Arnett's kid played there. Scott Niedermeyer's kid played there. This is all last year, right? And uh, you know, like I said, Troy Stetcher as well. They they just they get a lot of top tier talent. Um, you know, they're just they're an organization that people want to play for uh, when it comes to the BCHL. So yeah, like I I definitely agree with what you're saying though. Like find out, you know player development talk to talk to different minds all over the city right like don't and the city the the province right like don't don't look at this as a 
well, now now our AHL guys are close. Like, still look at this as, okay, now our AHL guys are close, but how are we going to develop these guys? How are we going to make sure that we have more players coming from Utica and playing in the NHL? Like, man, look at Florida and Tampa. Like, I can't remember which team it was. I think it was the Crunch um, is their farm team or whoever it was. Uh, they tweeted out the number of players that have played for the AHL affiliate before going to the team. And I think it was like 60 across both teams. I just mm. like that. That's a high number, man. Like what, what's the number for the Canucks? I, I really think it's, it, it's near like 15 to 20. And I think that's if you include Bo Horvat, who was on like a conditioning stint when he played and you're looking at a lot of guys who aren't really impact players at the NHL level. And I just think you want, you want more of that. Like you want this to be a place where guys go down, get better and come up and are actually impact players at the NHL level, not just, you know, AHL fourth line tweeners, right? Like that's, that's kind of what we're subject to right now. And you want, you want your Cole Lins and you want your Jonah Gadjeviches to develop into players that can actually play and help your team win. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Seeing that, that picture come out the other day was, was a definitely a tough one to watch. And I, I agree with you. I think that it's going to be interesting because like, Having them here now, I just, like I said earlier, to stay on it, like, you get the right people in the right spot, it's going to make everyone better, right? And I think that's really what this team needs to do. And I think having Ryan Johnson be the head of that is good. Like, I, I've liked a lot of what Ryan Johnson's been able to do. It's something that that when I talk to a lot of these players in Utica, Ryan Johnson's name just always comes up. So he's doing a good job at, at what he's doing with this group. And even before, like not even just the AHL team, but like what Ryan Johnson's doing with these overseas prospects. Obviously people know, I talk to a lot of these AHL prospects or just Canucks prospects that are playing, you know, even in Russia, like to hear Zlodiev bring up RJ's name was really interesting to me. Like to hear from a lot of other, Victor Pearson was a good example of a guy who's brought up Ryan Johnson. Like he's doing a great job of doing this player development. And now having him close to home, I feel like his job gets easier, which is good because now he can, you know, spend even more time with the other prospects and making sure that, talking about Abbotsford maybe to some of these players. I know you had a question earlier this week in the mailbag was like, which other prospects are going to be joining the AHL team? And we thought about it. Like you even messaged me about it. And I was thinking like, I don't think anyone like Archer Silos is going to be a guy that we'll see in Utica. Uh, Mikey DiPietro is going to be a guy we're seeing in Utica, but it's probably going to end up being a lot of the Jonah Gadoviches and Cole Linz and, you know, Jet Wu for another year. I just, I think that they're missing a wave of guys coming into the AHL team this year. I don't think they're going to have, really anyone unless Victor Pearson like because he was planning to come to the WHL if there's an AHL interest there I just don't know if he's ready for that yet Dmitry Zlodia is going to be back in Russia looking for the world juniors like there's some names out there that potentially could but I don't think there's going to be a wave of talent coming in like we saw this year with the Carson Folk and the Jet Wu and the Will Lockwoods like there isn't another group of those guys coming to Utica this year and that's that's a sad thing for an organization so you need to set things up for these guys that are already there to have the best success, maybe make some signings for guys that are overage, you know, OHL and WHL players, specifically WHL players, because you have it right here in your backyard to come play in Abbotsford. So, yeah, there's there just seems to be a lot of work that we're going to have to hear about in the next few months here for this this unit, this Abbotsford team to get up and running. Are we? And by the way, are we still going with Abbotsford Aces? Like that's my favorite name still. Yep. That's that's what they're known as on this show until they get an actual name. They are the Abbotsford Aces. But I wanted to I wanted to add something to that, Chris. It was just like 
Yeah, I I think that's kind of, you know, not having a wave of guys. It's kind of you're starting to see the effects of not drafting till the third round yep. in the 2020 draft, right? And, you know, I, I'm excited for this draft because they have all of their picks and it's just I, I want to see what they can do. I want to see what they can do with this new look scouting department and just I, I, this is this is a time when everybody should be criticized, right? Like, and you know, not criticized, I guess I guess evaluated is the word, right? Like if they draft well, you know, what they're able to do. I know there's some worry about what they're going to do without Judd Brackett, but when you look at all things considered, I know they didn't draft the third round. There's no real players in the 2020 draft that look like they could be impact players in the NHL. There's a lot of guys that look like they could, you know, beat all the odds and become players because they have high upside, right? Like that was the theme they went with in the 2020 right. draft. But in the 2021 draft, you want to see at least one guy that is just, oh, sweet, okay, this guy's like two years away and we know he's going to contribute or he's one year away and he's going to contribute. But. You, you don't really have that sense with anybody selected in the 2020 draft. And I think, you know, that's definitely partly because they didn't draft the third round. But for that reason, I'm really excited to see the 2021 yeah, and draft. And I think that that's to that point as well, even to extend it even more. It feels like, yeah, this year there might not be a lot of names coming in. But next year after that, you know, you get the Aiden McDonough's. You get potentially the Yanni Yermos coming to the AHL team. So, like, that might be the big year for the influx of talent to come play in Abbotsford. But I think just this year, it's going to be a lot of what we saw in Utica this past season. Like, it's going to be a lot of those guys. And I think it's going to be a challenge because we know that the AHL was a little bit watered down this year. And there was a lot of success. Like, a lot of success for guys like Jet Wu, Will Lockwood, Cole Lind. Like, a lot of success for these guys. Obviously, Jonah Gadjevich. It's going to be interesting to see what they do next year when there isn't a taxi squad. When those guys are back in the AHL from a taxi squad. You know, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting year for sure. They got a lot of work to do for sure with that Abbotsford team, and I think we're gonna start to hear some things about it uh, moving forward. So uh, we'll kind of wrap things up there. I was gonna I was gonna talk a little bit about the NHL draft, but we can save that for another show. Um, we're working on getting a guest for this weekend show. Pretty excited for that. But big, big guest, yes, big uh, guest. very big guest. And I think just aside from that, we wanted to mention uh, moving forward here. We know that a lot of podcasts like to shut it down in the summer or, or take things down a notch. Uh, that's that's just not the way that we do things over here at the Canucks Conversation. Ever since launching this show, we've run through the summer. We've tried to put out a ton of content. We've done articles in the, in the past. We're not going to really do that this year now that we're both pretty busy with, uh, with Canucks Army for me and Nation Network for you and other things as well for you. But we're not taking any step back here moving forward from what we, we've announced it on the Patreon, but we're going to stay at two shows a week. We hope that there's enough to talk about every single week. Otherwise, we, we might end up talking about TLC shows a little bit uh, more in the future. But we're not going to slow things down. We're going to stay with our midweek episode that will come out on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. And then we'll always be there with the Saturday episode for sure. We're going to try and bring on some guests. We're going to try and talk to some prospects, everything. Like once the draft happens and the draft is at the end of July 23rd and 24th, I believe. After that, uh, you know I'm going to try and get in contact with all the Canucks draft picks as soon as possible. Get them on the show. But I think moving up to it, hopefully we can do a few more of these prospects. I've had a lot of fun with Kent Johnson, Fabian Lucell, and these guys that are potentially going to be there for the Vancouver Canucks to select. We're going to work hard to bring on some of those guys as we approach the draft. But the big thing is we're not taking any step back we're not taking our foot off the gas we're going to be back with two shows a week and also every single week on the patreon as well so we're going to crank everything you know we're not actually slowing down we're actually speeding up as we kind of go into the off season here quads uh anything you wanted to add to what we're going to be doing in the off season here no 
keep reading Canucks Army. That helps us too. Uh, we Perfect. really appreciate everybody's support and just, uh, yeah, keep listening to Canucks Convo, keep reading Canucks Army. We've got a lot of good stuff at Canucks Army right now, man. Like, yes. we got through two off seasons since I've taken over as managing editor. We took, you know, there was the, uh, the time in between getting to the bubble and then after the bubble as well. And I think we did a pretty good job and I hope to continue that in this off season. There's going to be a lot more to talk about this off season. So it's, it's an exciting time for us. It absolutely is, man. It, it absolutely is. And I'm excited to see uh, what we bang out here. But like you said, hopefully, hopefully for a big guest this weekend, uh, it's going to be his first time on the show. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll see if we can get that going. We're just going to try and bring on guests, you know, once or twice a week. If Help us fill some time on the podcast, chat about Canucks, get a different perspective on it. But a lot of the times, Quads is still going to just be you and I uh, banging out episodes, continuing to get it out twice a week. And then we're going to have a lot of fun on the Patreon as well. We're going to put up some videos out once we can start hanging out with some other people in the summer, do some video content. So if you guys want to get on board with that, we really appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. And if you want to become a Patreon supporter, it is very simple. You head over to patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. You can find that in, I believe it's also just right on our Canucks Convo Twitter account name. But patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Uh, for $5, that'll get you a bonus episode every week. So you can hear us three times if you're into that. Uh, also, some other fun stuff that we're definitely going to be working on. And some exciting news, hopefully, now that uh, COVID's open up to work that thing with Parallel 4.9. That'll be a lot of fun if we can pull that off. Um, but uh, that's basically all I've got for this week. I don't think there's anything you want to add, Quad. So I'll close this out. You can cut me off if there is. Uh, but uh, we're going to wrap things up. I just want to throw this name out there. because I was doing a little digging. I was doing a little digging. Sam Carrick for the Canucks, uh, Canucks bottom six center. Keep an eye on the name, Sam Carrick. I'm putting it out in the in the ether right now. So we'll wrap things up there on my uh, my my strange prediction. But I'm gonna throw that out and uh, we're gonna wrap things up for my co-host David Quadrelli. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.